you came from Iowa, you know who you are. All right. <laughs> Stand with us. It's a glorious day, whether it's cold or not outside. Oh, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my. Oh, no. 
seated. Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here to worship with us. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. Now, you're right, this out over here is really full. So if you feel like Lou's not preaching to you later, it's probably because he's looking over here where everybody is. Um, well, if this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. You picked a wonderful, beautiful day outside to, to come uh, worship with us, but we got to see some snow earlier. You know, I'm from Kentucky. I see, I've seen snow plenty of times, but it was really cool to see a lot of our youth and our kids come running outside because they don't see snow very often. So that was pretty fun to, to watch. So if this is your first time with us, welcome. Well, two weeks ago, if some of you have really good memory, I stood behind this pulpit during our welcome, and there were three things that I specifically praised the Lord for. And one of those is how in 2021, you know, the Lord had been really gracious to our church, and even in 2020 when a lot of people had COVID, a lot of people got really sick, though we had people sick here, the Lord had really spared us. Well, a lot has changed in two weeks since I made that announcement. Uh, one, that after 41 years, the Georgia Bulldogs finally won a national championship. It's a silly game, and it doesn't really matter, but it's still fun. Uh, it had been 31 years since my Cincinnati Bengals had won a playoff game, and they finally won yesterday. It's a silly game, but it did bring Lane and I a lot of joy. And then the other thing that has changed is in the last two weeks, as most of you know, uh, I've had COVID. Um, and so that has kind of changed some plans. I wasn't able to worship with you all last week. Ryan currently is at home dealing with it. Both the boys have tested negative, and they, they felt fine. And so uh, my, my symptoms were very, very mild. But unfortunately, what happened is this morning, I was supposed to be in Ecuador with Mark Runyon's and two other pastors in the area. They flew down yesterday, uh, got there safely, but because my PCR test came back positive, which I figured it would, unfortunately I was not able to go. Um, so I'm kind of bummed about that, but the Lord has a plan and he needed me here for some reason. And, um, and so, but be in prayer for, for Mark and those two other pastors as they are on another vision trip. And the plan is that at some point, maybe in March or April, I'll get to go down um, as well and be able to see the moss and, and kind of see some opportunities that we have um, down there. So um, the original plan was that I was not going to be here today and David Mazden was supposed to preach. But David preached for me last week and then next Sunday Lou Kuhn was supposed to preach for me. So Lou is actually going to preach for me um, this morning. And so I'm going to have a word of prayer in just a moment um, Lou and Sherry, they've been members here now for almost a year. Uh, how many years were you a pastor? Lou, do you, do you know? Many? Many. Was also a chaplain. Um, and so Lou's going to be preaching out of Psalm 46. Uh, he preached Psalm 46, I don't know, several months ago at, at, at a church. Um, and I was able to watch that online. And man, the Lord really spoke to my heart through that. And so, so he's preaching that sermon um, 
some is probably going to change because he's gone through a lot here in the last couple months. Um, and man, I was thinking, over the last month, Mark Runyon's, David, and now Lou have all preached for me. That's three guys in this one church, man, who faithfully open God's word and preach the word of God and do it very well. All of them maybe do it in different ways, but man, it's all effective and powerful. And I hope you all realize how blessed we are that we have men in the church right here in our own church who can open God's word and deliver that. Um, and, and we are blessed and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that when I'm gone, I don't have to worry about, man, who's preaching, what are they going to say? Um, but I know it's going to be solid. So let me pray. Um, and then after I pray, Lou's going to come and he's going to open God's word and, uh, and, and bring the word um, to us. And at the end of the service, several announcements that I'll make, um, but we'll do that at the end. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, it's, it's cold outside. Uh, it's windy. We were able to see the snow fall a little bit. So, Lord, I'm thankful this morning for, um, for warmth, for central heating, for, uh, for gas, Lord, that can warm up a building uh, such as this one where we're not freezing in here. Thank you for lights. Thank you for electricity. Well, they were talking about strong winds, and there was a part of me that wondered, man, could we lose power this morning? <clears throat> Are the roads going to be safe enough to be on? And, and Lord, you've, you've allowed us the opportunity to get here safely. Thank you for that. Lord, I know a lot of people this morning are watching online. Our online numbers spiked last week. A lot of people under the weather, they're staying home, maybe we're nervous to get out on the roads. Father, we have a lot of people this morning who are dealing with COVID and other sicknesses. Lord, we just lift them up to you. We pray for them. Father, we pray for your mercy upon them. We pray for your healing hands upon them. Lord, some of them are dealing with COVID now a second time. Uh, Lord, we pray that this time it'll be much more mild not as severe for them. Father, we also have people in, in this church who are just dealing with personal things. Lord, maybe they're anxious. Maybe they're, maybe they're overwhelmed. Father, maybe they're wrestling with depression. Lord, I pray, as Lou's going to bring a, a timely word for us from Psalm 46, Father, that it would just speak to our hearts. Lord, I know we have people in, in this church who are dealing with aging, sick family, some who are dealing with the loss of parents. Father, I want to specifically lift up my brother, uh, my deacon, Larry Chappelle, this morning as he shared that his father passed away uh, this morning. Lord, we pray for him and his family, Lord, as they, as they walk through that season of grief and, Lord, have to make the arrangements and all that is on their hearts and, and their minds. And, Lord, that's never easy, even if we know maybe it's coming and we've tried to prepare ourselves, that's still hard. But thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is all about our hope in Jesus. So, Father, we pray, Lord, whatever might be distracting us this morning, Lord, that you would remove those distractions, whether we're in person or watching online. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Anoint Lou, give him the words to say. Father, may he just preach with boldness and freedom, lifting up the name of Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lou, you come, brother. Amen. Good morning. <clears throat> Pastor, I know you wanted to be, what, South America, right? That's where you were going? I, am I on? Good. <clears throat> I brought my wrong glasses. These are not my reading glasses, so hopefully I'll be okay. I use these to see people in the back. Now I can't, now I can't see you, but uh, I can't read either with them. So, um, 
I know you were going to be in South America, right? Uh, Ecuador. Ecuador. I don't know. Am I on? They say I'm on in the back. I don't know. Um, so you were going to be in Ecuador, but I know why you're here today. And the reason is because this is the first time in three months that I have spoken publicly. And I make a living speaking publicly. So if I fall out today because I don't have enough air, you can do CPR. I've already tapped our brother uh, to come and fill in for me from uh, Palmetto Baptist, who's our new, our new, tell us your name again. Marshall. Marshall from Palmetto Baptist, new associate pastor from Iowa. Is that right? Most recently. So glad to have you visiting with us today as well. So it is good to be in the family of God today, and I say that with all sincerity because the last 10 weeks of the year last year, we were, we were, what's the word I'm looking for? We were not here. We were absent. We were absentees. And the reason being, we, we traveled the first part of November to see our, young, uh, our third son, Chad. We got four boys, and he and his family were moving to Germany with the Air Force, so we went out to Texas to visit them. On the way home, we obviously picked up something we did not really want to pick up, and it put us in the hospital. And you can tell I'm still a little bit winded from that, but uh, I was in for 10 days, Sherry was in for five. We spent the whole month of December at home sucking on um, air, air, what do you call it, oxygen tubes. And I, uh, mine got pretty bad, Sherry was praying for me. I actually called the pastor, and I called my <coughs> um, campus minister from North Georgia. And I literally, with all sincerity, I said, you know, you might want to get ready for a funeral. It was that bad. And uh, I had a, you know, but I, you know, the neat thing is that I was in Psalm 46 for 10 solid days, Aaron. I, and, and this is my life chapter. Everybody has a life verse. You know, you have a life verse or a life chapter. Psalm 46 is my life chapter. It has been for 30 plus years. I raised my boys of all the parts of the Bible, and I love all the parts of the Bible, but Psalm 46, for some reason, is a chapter that just God put on my heart 30-something years ago. My oldest is 32 years old now, and I trained all my boys to know every single verse. That if they were here today, they could quote Psalm 46 from memory because it was a chapter that I said, this is what I want you to learn. If you don't learn anything else, learn this chapter. And so that's what they did. And so, you know, my, my most recent challenge, being in the hospital for 10 days, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a trip, $140,000 trip. I mean, that was what they spent. They spent. I, thank goodness I don't have to pay that. That's what the bill came out to. But for, for 10 days, I just meditated on this verse, this, these verses. Be still and know that I'm God. God is our refuge and strength. We're going to dig down into it today. I'm not going to have you to stand because we're going to be looking at it uh, throughout the entirety of our time together this morning, but I had a, I had a doctor, uh, once I finally got down, it's not, it's not ICU, but it's like ICU, uh, is that what you say, Sherry, ICU? I've still got COVID brain, by the way, so I don't remember a lot of words, but um, they put me on the big tube, you've seen the little tubes, they put me on a big tube, I can still feel it right now, that, that's how big it was, and a doctor came in from, from Africa, and uh, had that accent, and I could tell immediately that it was a Christian, though, because the, conversa- the way the conversation went. Uh, that was about my third day in the hospital. I'd already seen three or four other doctors. I'd had a dozen different nurses. You know, they work their shifts and they leave and, 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 and whatnot. But this doctor came in, 
And I was probably two or three breaths away from a ventilator. That's how bad it was. And uh, he said, um, would you like for me to call the chaplains? He didn't know that I knew the chaplains. And they'd already checked on me the first day I got there. I trained all the chaplains there at the hospital in suicide intervention several years ago. And so they'd already checked on me. But I kind of played along with him. And I said, um, is there a reason I need to call the chaplains? And he said, well, things are pretty bad. I mean, this, this is an honest doctor. You know, in, in today's society, I'm looking for some honest doctors, right? And so this is an honest doctor. He said, yeah, things are pretty bad. And if you go on the ventilator, which is a good possibility, you won't be able to talk. And there's some things you might need to make peace about. That sounds like Christian terminology, doesn't it? And I said, well, Doc, I appreciate that. I think I'm good. I've got a great physician. He said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and I said, well, I wasn't talking about you. You're a good doctor, but I've got a great physician. He said, oh, yes, 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 indeed. I said, I've got a great physician. He, you know, I've seen three or four doctors over the past few days. I've seen a dozen nurses over the past few days, but I've got a great physician. He's the attending physician. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. You doctors, you come and go. You take your shifts, but he hadn't left me yet. He's always with me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's Psalm 23. I'm going to get to the other one here in a minute. I'll fear no evil. I sat there for 10 days without fear because I knew that God was with me. Now, I can honestly say it hasn't always been that way. It has not always been that way. 12 years ago, I was filled with fear. I was filled with fear to the point that I thought I would be better off dead. I thought my family would be better off without me. We've been living in Coweta for about 20 plus years. I was a pastor at one time. Went back, I'd been in the army, got out, was serving as a real estate broker. And uh, anybody remember what was going on in 2009? If you were in real estate, you remember. The economy crashed. We had to sell the farm, doing everything we could to stay up, you know, and afloat. I'd had 30 agents that worked for me at one time. It was just down to me and my wife. Bad. I dropped my insurance because I couldn't afford it. And then my third son, Chad, made the front page of the Noonan Times Herald because he blew himself up in a backyard fire. He was out in the backyard trying to burn some debris. It was damp. I had tried. I couldn't get it lit. Chad went in the barn, got some accelerant, 13 years old, threw it on the fire, and it blew up on him. Burned him over 90% of his arms and half of his face. Had to be life-flighted to Grady Memorial. Jerry was at the, at, the, at the grocery store getting groceries. I was at home. I was in the sunroom on Monster.com. Anybody know what Monster.com? That's where you're looking for a job. That's how... That's a crazy name, monster.com. Look for a job on monster.com. I literally heard the, the sunroof. I heard it. If anybody's ever heard an explosion like that, it, it kind of sucks the air. It's just boom. And it made the, it made the, sun, the sunroom windows rattle. I turned around and saw 
Chad running through the woods screaming. I ran out. His arms were toast. His face was toast. He was burned. And the medic showed up. And um, they said, we got a life flight in McGrady. As soon as the flight was taken off, I called Sherry. I said, you got to get home. Chad's been life flighted to Grady. But I didn't tell her that up front. I just said, you need to get home. Well, I'm checking out right now. You need to get home right now. I'll be there in a little bit. Chad's been life flighted to Grady. She literally left the groceries on the checkout counter at Kroger, flew home. It takes us 30 minutes to get to Grady. We're crying the whole time. God, how could you let this happen? We love you. We thought you loved us. How could you let this happen? And that's what happened. And we're crying. I can hardly drive. I'm crying out to God. How could you let this happen? God, where are you at? I wasn't saying that to Sherry. I was saying that in my heart. She's sitting there praying, crying as we head up that way. We got there. We go into the ICU chat or the burn center there at Grady. Chad's all wrapped up. They're pumping morphine into him. The pastor was already there. He was in Atlanta visiting people, and he prayed for us. And that night, I went home. Sherry stayed in the hospital. Our other three boys went home. They were with Grandmom over in Fayetteville. And I was laying in my bed. I've always been an optimistic person. I've always probably been... Pollyanna optimistic to the point of being ridiculous, you know what I mean? So positive that it doesn't even make sense. But for the first time in my life, I thought my family would be better off without me. It was my fault. That's the way I felt. Like many of the soldiers that I have now dealt with over the past several years that came back from the desert alone. Survivor's remorse, feeling like it was their fault. I got into my closet, pulled out my life insurance policy. And I looked at it. It was 15 years old, and anybody in insurance knows that the, the suicide clause expires after about three years. And for the first time in my life, I had thoughts of suicide. Some people say that's a selfish, jealous thought. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking my family would literally be better off without me. That's what I thought. And I knew that it would pay off. My oldest son was graduating uh, a few months later after that incident. Chad, by the way, as you can tell, I, I mentioned he's in Germany now. So he survived. Thank God. Praise the Lord. He's got a beautiful little five-month, nine-month now baby boy. And that's probably the hardest part about them being in Germany for me and Sherry is that little grandbaby is in Germany too. But then my oldest son graduated from the Air Force a few months after Chad was hurt. And I had a thought. I had been out of the military for several years, but I had a thought. If I can go back in the military and get deployed with the 48th Brigade here out of Georgia, anybody familiar with the 48th Brigade? They deploy all the time, the National Guard. They deploy more than regular army. Then I can get in the desert, and I can find an IED, or I can find a bullet, and no one will ever have to know that I actually died by suicide. So I went in to the military under less than honorable conditions. 
I was lying to my recruiter. Obviously, you don't knock on the recruiter's door and say, hey, I'd like to get in so I can get killed. I lied to my recruiter. And they finally let me back in. But here's how God intervenes in situations like that. My hope was to deploy with the 48th. MEPS, the military entrance processing station, lost my paperwork, and I had to start over, and the 48th deployed without me. And finally, the recruiter said, well, we've got a reserve unit. You can take that. I said, reserve units? This is a training unit. I don't want to be in a training unit. They don't, de they don't deploy. I need to be in a, in a real unit that's going to deploy a, a, a combat unit that's going to see some action because I want to serve my country. And they said, we got this training unit. You need to go interview with it because we may not give you an age waiver. I was 46 years old. We may not give you an age waiver next month. And so I sat down with Colonel Frank Eubanks, commander of the 4th Brigade, 94th Training Division. And he said, Chaplain, we've been without a chaplain for a while. If you decide to take this job, I need for you to think about suicide. Oh, okay. I thought he was reading my mind. I had no idea. What he was talking, sir, what are you talking about? He said, we got soldiers that are killing themselves, and I need for you to go to Fort Jackson to learn the suicide model that the Army teaches so that you can watch out for our soldiers. I had soldiers in 10 states that I was responsible for. They sent me off to Fort Jackson. Here I was, a suicidal soldier, a suicidal chaplain. You say, how could a Christian have thoughts of suicide? Folks, out of the number of people in this room, here's the reality. Even in Christian circles, one out of ten people is having thoughts of suicide today. Moses had those thoughts. Elijah, after his great victory on Mount Carmel, had those thoughts. I, if I had been a contemporary of the Apostle Paul, I would have asked him, are you suicidal? He would have set me straight and said no, but just based on some of the stuff he was saying, I would have asked him, knowing what I know today, I would have asked him, I would much rather go on and be with the Lord. Paul, are you suicidal? He would have set me straight. But that's the reality. And here I was, suicidal, at Fort Jackson. My oldest son had been out in California. He was now, he PCS to Charleston Air Force Base. And we had to go down to Charleston to do some dignified transfers. That's when the caskets roll off of the back of the airplane. It's a pretty tough morning. And so they said, you can have off the rest of the day. And so we're going to tour the USS Yorktown. Anybody ever done that? We're walking around the Yorktown, and I called my oldest son. I said, hey, I'm over here. I had not seen you in a year. Why don't you come over and, and tour the Yorktown with me? And so he walks over, or he comes over, and we're walking around the old Yorktown ship and looking at it. He's 19 years old. He'd had two hours of suicide intervention training, compliments of the U.S. Air Force. He's saying, Dad, how you feeling? Oh, I'm okay. Well, did you, you got through that FBI interview okay, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm in. Well, those of you who know, when you go back in the military, they do an FBI check on you. And we had filed bankruptcy because of everything that had gone on. Normally, they won't let you in the military after bankruptcy. And I had to prove to them why. It was a medical reason. We, we would have lost everything if we hadn't have done that. And so they finally let me in. That was one of the other reasons that I was slow in getting back into a quote-unquote combat unit. And he said, Dad, you're not working out anymore, are you? He knew I loved to work out. I gained a little bit of weight. That was, 
another thing that could have literally kept me out of the military. And finally, he pulls me over to the side and he said, Dad, are you having thoughts of suicide? No one had ever asked me that before. No one. And I said, yeah, I have some. He said, Dad, don't do it. I need you in my life. And he said, it wasn't your fault what happened to Chad. And I know you feel like Satan's just kicking you in the gut. But Dad, i got to ask you a question. You remember that chapter that you made us memorize? You think you could just say the first verse? I'm not going to make you say the entire verse, but could you just... Could you just say the first? Folks, before I began to speak the word, the word of God was speaking to me. It is the word of God. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Now I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you here today, let's be honest, would feel like we're in trouble? As a whole, our nation, how many of y'all would say that? We're in trouble. Our nation is in trouble. The psalmist in, in, in Psalm chapter 11, he recognized that. We're going to look at the answer to that in Psalm 46 here in just a minute. We're going to get there, Pastor, I promise you. But Psalm 11, he asked the question, what shall the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed? How many of us today would feel as if the foundations are being destroyed? And it can be on a society level, a worldwide level, a community level, a church level, a family level or a personal level. You feel like your very foundations, your personal foundations are being destroyed. That's where I was 12 years ago when I felt like my family would be better off without. I felt like the foundations were gone. And my oldest son reminded me. This is why it's so important, folks. If you've got young people in your lives, children, you need to train them up in the Word of God because when they are old, it will return to you and it will bless you. I know that's kind of a, a redacted version of the Scripture, right? But that's what it's saying. You train up your children in the way they should go. From the day that McCray was born, my firstborn, we prayed, God, I pray for the day when my son will teach me. And at the age of 19, he was teaching me. I praise God for that. God is our refuge and strength. Many of us today, we feel trouble deep down in our hearts. My, my grandmother used to say, trouble to the bones. We feel trouble down to the bones. I was teaching 100 chiefs of police down in Deckel Island this time last year in January. Last year. Suicide intervention, that's what I do on a regular basis. And during the break, several of the chiefs came up to me, and it was the common, this, was, this was the common denominator. They said, Chaplain, when I show up at the scene of a suicide or a murder, or maybe it's just a really bad domestic issue, I sense 
evil. I sense evil. And I said, Chief, I do too. I do too. I've done over 1,600 successful suicide interventions over the past 10 years, and to the glory of God, everyone that we've been able to get to is still alive today. But over the past two and a half years, I've been called to the scene or been called in response to a scene 70 plus suicides in the past two and a half years. 70 completed suicides. Most recently, during the holidays, I got word that my best friend from high school took his life. Took his life. Here's a successful doctor from a family of doctors. His mom's a doctor. His dad's a doctor. All four of his brothers were doctors. 58 years old, he took his life. I haven't seen him in 41 years. But I couldn't help but wonder, God, what's going on in his life? What's going on that it got so bad that he wanted to take his life? I don't know what it was for him. I know what it was for me. And I know what it was that saved me. It was the Word of God. It was the Spirit of God working through my son, whom I trained up to know the Word of God, that brought life back to me. So I want us to dig in. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We won't fear. One of the most popular words, I guess you could say, one of the populous words in the Bible. Populous a word, by the way? I don't even know. I've got COVID brain fog, so I don't know if that's a real word or not. Fear not, fear not. How many times is fear in the Bible? Don't fear, don't fear. And here's the psalmist saying, don't be afraid. Now we need to understand the context of this passage because to the chief musicians, a psalm of the, song, of the sons of Korah. So it was written by the musicians. It was written as a song. It was written as a song of praise to a God who is always with me in all of my trouble. If anybody remembers anything about the sons of Korah, anybody remember who Korah was? Korah didn't, his story didn't end up pretty good, did it? I mean, the earth kind of opened up and swallowed him. It didn't take his children. Thank goodness they were, God showed them mercy. But I think the sons of Korah learned an important lesson. We don't want to be in rebellion against God. But Lord, when things bad happen to us, we need to turn to you. This is what this psalm is all about. God is our help in time of trouble, a very present help. He doesn't have to come running from some throne on a mountain miles away. He is with me right now. And he is with you right now. And no matter what's going in your life, what is going on in your life, he is with you. So we can experience trouble. We can experience overwhelming adversity. That For 10 days, there was nothing I could do in the, in the hospital. I could not save myself. Guess what? None of us can. None of us can. And for 10 days laying in that hospital, I was reminded of how it is God who has saved me. It is God who is faithful. It took me back 
to, to 12 years ago. And I remembered that day when I was filled with fear that my life should be taken, or I should take my own life, that my family would be better off without me. That's kind of fear, isn't it? That's a fear that I can't face tomorrow. There's no, worth, there's no reason to try to face tomorrow. I just might as well die. That's a kind of fear. And God said, I got you through that. I'll get you through this. We've been there before. And so he says, he keeps going in verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled. We were talking about the flood today in Chris's class. There was a time when the waters were roaring and troubled, and it flooded the entire earth. Sometimes we feel like our lives are being flooded with adversity and trial. I mean, 10 days in the hospital, I had three friends that died of COVID. Lord, when's my number coming up, right? That's the way you feel. And then I have a, my best friend who takes his own life. We're overwhelmed with trouble. Verse 3, though its waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with its swelling. I have literally had soldiers. Sherry and I were down at Fort Benning for about a year and a half. Beautiful time. I tell you how God, God takes things. When, you know, I'm wanting to go into the military so that I can get killed. God puts me down at Fort Benning to teach Sunday school class. I had 600 soldiers in my Sunday school class every Sunday. Recruits. Shared the gospel with over 20,000 soldiers in a year's time. So over 2,000 soldiers come to faith in Jesus Christ. But I had some soldiers who get in the military, they're brand new recruits, and then they realize that they just, they just got off of the weapons qualification range. You know, they put a gun in their hand. They said, you're going to be deploying with this combat unit. And they would literally be shaking. Sherry, remember? Literally shaking in front of me. Because they, they said, I, 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 I didn't really sign on for this. I was just trying to get, you know, college funds. And they're telling me I'm going to deploy. They literally were shaking. The mountains shake with its swelling. Verse 6, though, look at that. Or verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Folks, you need to understand, in ancient times, the most important resource for any city was the river. It was the river. It's what gave them life. It's what raised up that city. If there had been no river there, there would have been no city there. Does that make sense? It's the same thing that we've seen. If you, if you, if you, if you go out Midwest, you see the Mississippi. Where did, all the, where did all the cities build up? At the river, right? You've got to have a river in order to sustain life. That's what the Scripture is saying here. And for you and I, that river is Jesus Christ. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see opens prison's doors, sets the captives free. i got a river of life flowing out of me. And guess what? If you know the Lord, you've got that river too. And you've got people in your life right now, and they're struggling, and they're hurting, and maybe you're one of them. But I have learned in my adversity, 
that God puts things on me sometimes. He does. You know, you've heard that. Is it Chris? My, here's my Bible scholar. I got to ask him real quick. I don't think it's in there. God will never put more on you, more on you than what you can bear. Is that a verse of scripture? Huh? Say it again. There you go. Y'all hear that? It's not a Bible verse. God will put more on us than we can bear. That's why we need a cross. Because I cannot save myself and it causes me to come to the foot of the cross and say, God, save me. You're the only one who can. And when we get that in our heart, no matter what adversity is coming toward us, we can stand up. And then we begin to be a blessing to those around us. What is that Bible verse? I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. What day? That day when all hell is breaking loose against you. And you feel like your foundations are crumbling. God's got you. All I got to do is stay committed to him. He's the one who's going to keep it. I cannot keep it. I cannot keep my own life. But he can. And he does. Say, well, what about people that, you know, I had over a thousand people praying for me and Sherry for 10 days that we were in the hospital. And I had three friends that died. Were people praying for them too? Yeah. One of the mysteries of God, we don't always understand why things turn out the way they do. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to stop praying because three friends died. You know, back when my dad died when I was in seminary, he fought cancer for 10 years. I had a dream one night, an angel was standing at the foot of my bed. He said, get ready. And I woke up at 3 o'clock that night, and I wrote the sermon that I would preach at my dad's funeral. Three days later, my mom called and said, dad's dying. And I preached that sermon. And I said, you know, I miss my dad but he's whole today. I miss my dad, but he don't have cancer today. And I knew laying in the hospital bed two months ago that if I die before I wake, the Lord will take me, just as he's promised. And I don't have to worry. I don't have to be fearful. I'll be more whole than ever before. Was it Charles Spurgeon who said one day, you'll hear that old Charles Spurgeon is dead? But in that hour, I will be more alive than ever before. So you can cry for a night, but let that joy return tomorrow. Right? That's what this psalm is telling me. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, even when they are being attacked, and they were being attacked. This is a psalm of God's provision at a time after they have been attacked. God was with me. God is in the midst of her, verse 5. She shall not be moved. That's an indication that they had been in battle. There was something that was coming against them, but they would not be moved. God will help her just at the break of dawn. And that's a, folks, that's a military term there. It's a military idea. I want you to imagine this for a moment with me. And everybody's probably seen Civil War movies where, you know, the, the, the Redcoats, that's, that's, that's not Civil War, that's uh, 
Revolutionary War, right? The red coats and the blue coats lining up on the field of battle, right? And it's just before dawn, right? And you, and you get that picture of the mist out on the battlefield, and there's no one on the battlefield yet. You've got one side over here and another side over here, and then the sun breaks the horizon. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We see it in the, the Civil War, the, Confederate, the Confederates, the, the Revolutionary War. Even up until recent times, battle tanks would line up on the field of battle. In modern times, and we would march toward the battlefield, and we would attack each other. And at night, guess what would happen? We would leave because we don't want to kill our own people. We'd go back to our fields, our, our, our restoring places and sharpen our swords, care for our wounded. And the next morning, we'd do it again. Can you all imagine that? But here's what the psalmist was saying. Because when the battle is the strongest is when? Right at the break of dawn. That's when Satan's going to attack you. And so the psalmist says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her just at the break of dawn. So in other words, when the enemy has spent all night in the darkness and in the crevices of your life trying to prepare a battle against you, and at the break of dawn he hits you with everything he's got, there's no reason to be filled with fear. There's no reason to doubt because God is with me and he will help me at the break of dawn when the enemy is coming against me the most. God is with me. I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. And therefore, the nations, they can rage all they want to. Do we see the nations raging today? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's, in, it's incredible. The nations raging today. Leaders of nations raging today. The kingdoms are being moved. But look at verse 6. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And so he says, come and behold the works of the Lord. And sometimes that's not easy to do. You turn on CNN, I don't watch CNN, but you turn on CNN or Fox or any of those other, and you look at that and say, how's that the work of God? It looks like the work of evil men. Right? And yet the Bible tells us that ultimately the earth is on a foundation and it shall not be moved. God is still in control. So he is the one, look at verse 8, who has made desolation in the earth. The day's coming when he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. The day's coming when he breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. The day's coming when he burns the chariots in fire. I had, <clears throat> I had a Marine a few years ago that was struggling with thoughts of suicide. And he looked at me and said, and he was a Christian. And he said, chap, he said, the reason I want to kill myself is because I know I'll be with the Lord. It'll be over. Might as well die now. I could kind of relate to that 12 years earlier. So I said, no, no, no. He said, you don't think I'd go to heaven? I said, that's not the point. The point is, it's not your time. 
God determines our time, not you. And so whatever you're going through right now, allow God to be your strength. Allow Him to be your hope. Allow Him to be your refuge. You find yourself today going through times of trouble. He's very present. He hasn't left you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you. And He knows what you have need of. And so He says, be still, verse 10, and know that I am God. Be still and know. We, get, we watch the news and we get all riled up, don't we? We watch the news and we want to say a few words ourselves, don't we? And God says, be still. Just be still. In other words, you can't save yourself. It is a work that only God can do. Be still and know that I am God. I the Lord will be exalted. How many of us have said, God, where are you at? How can you be glorified in all that is going on in our world today? We're mistaken. God is exalted. The nations can do what they want, but I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so he closes out that chapter with a similar theme from the way he began. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you've been through. But I know just from statistics, every one of us has been through something. And maybe you're going through something right now. My encouragement to you, trust in the Lord. Trust in Him. He's your refuge. He is your strength. He is a sure foundation. He's very present. He never leaves you and He never forsakes you. He's always for you. And if He's for you, then who can be against you? Let's pray. Almighty God, I do thank you this morning that you are our God. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And it will not be thwarted no matter what man does, no matter what the nations do, no matter what the most powerful rulers of this world attempt to do. You are God. You are the Lord. You are the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and you will accomplish your purposes. And Lord, whatever you do will be for your glory. And Lord, those who trust in you, it'll be for their benefit. So Lord, help us to walk in the benefits of glorifying you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you'll please stand with us. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious song
saying says Lord prone to leave prone to wonder Lord I feel it and every one of us are prone to, to walk away from the Lord prone to struggle prone to to go through those troubles but man aren't you so thankful the Lord pursues us and he never gives up on us man I'm thankful Lou and the Lord just kept pursuing you and he used your son and the word word of God and thank you for bringing uh, that word this morning you know one reason why I wanted Lou to, to share is, is one man, he can just bring the word um, but also because of what he does in his mission and ministry for suicide awareness. Um, and at some point, probably when we get into the spring, we're going to have a training uh, here at Northside, and he's going he's gonna to lead that training. And so I just wanted you to hear his heart, get to know him a little bit better, um, and hopefully whenever we have that training, uh, that you would be interested and want to come and sit through that and learn how you can, how you can help because so many people are wrestling with that. So many people just looking for somebody to talk to, looking for help. And if you know and you're trained, you'll be better just to be able to be there uh, to speak truth into their life and, and to help in that situation. Uh, before we're dismissed, let me just go over several announcements. Um, I didn't print out bulletins this morning because the bulletin pretty much wouldn't read like this. Um, there's no women's ministries uh, in February. It's been canceled. Our senior friends trip, January 20th, has been canceled. Family game night at the end of the month, we canceled that. And we also have uh, canceled um, our women's uh, ministry event that was supposed to take place this Friday. You just look around in this room, we're missing a lot of people, a lot of people still under the weather. And these are a lot of fun things that we want to do. We want people to be healthy and to be able to attend. So all of those have been canceled. As far as tonight goes, 
we are not canceling our evening activities yet. We're going to wait till 3 o'clock. So if you have kids in Awana at 3 o'clock, if the snow keeps coming and the roads are getting bad, and we'll send out an email through Awana. We'll send out a message to our youth to remind, and I'll put something on Realm uh, for the adults. But at this point, it's still 36, 37 degrees. It doesn't look like it's sticking. It's beautiful to look at, but so far it's not sticking. So at this, at this point, we plan on having activities tonight. The weather may change that, but we'll notify you um, and, and let you know uh, of those changes. So um, just pray that you have a great week, that you stay healthy, um, that the Lord's blessings be upon you, um, and that you might have an opportunity this week to take what you have heard, what you have learned, and speak that truth into somebody else's life who's maybe troubled, who's maybe hurting, and they need the hope of the gospel, that God is with us and he will never leave us or forsake us. Uh, the deacon of the week is Paul Johnson, so he's going to come and dismiss us with a word of prayer. If you'll stand, and we'll be dismissed with prayer. Closing prayer has been canceled. No. Uh, <laughs> let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for, uh, for giving Aaron the assurance that when he leaves, he doesn't have to worry about who's going to preach. Uh, it's just so amazing what you've given us uh, in this small of a church that He's got guys he can uh, turn to, and I, I surely appreciate it. I know I'm not the only one that people can study your word, receive inspiration, deliver it uh, to your people, and have us uh, learn from it. And just, I feel so inspired today by what I've heard. Lord, thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that we have refuge in you. In Jesus' name we pray.